0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Vicki Vasiliga, Director of the Section of Clinical Specialists and Scientists here at ASHP, And thanks for tuning in for this episode on COVID-19. COVID-19 has presented many clinical, operational, and educational challenges over the past years. With that in mind, ASHP is sharing insights and lessons learned presented by your peers from the 2021 mid Clinical Meeting so that you can incorporate these lessons learned into your practice as we all do our part in caring for our patients. the ambulatory pharmacy services manager at Mercy Health in Muskegon, Michigan. And this is responding to the COVID-19 pandemic in an anticoagulation clinic, a precipitance for practice model change. Our practice setting has a central anticoagulation clinic with three satellites and pharmacists embedded in 15 office practices. There was a few factors that caused changes in our anticoagulation management in our health system. The first was an electronic healthcare record change in January of 2020. This caused a new process for managing anticoagulation. And then, three months later, we saw the COVID-19 pandemic. It caused closures of office practices and laboratory services. In Michigan, we had a shelter-at-home executive order that was from mid-March through early June. These both impacted shifts to home INR monitoring. So before COVID-19, we thought as a department, we had a good plan of attack for our new EHR and the issues that had come up. We saw that there was data abstraction that needed to be done and the new electronic health record. Because there was a new process for anticoagulation documentation and monitoring, it included more steps, but it also had a built-in reminder that alerted the provider if the patient did not have their INR drawn when expected. So We had a departmental effort. We updated records to assure that providers were set up for success to manage anticoagulation. We also had standard work in place for these office practices with the new process. None of this went well. Providers were not following the standard work, and it was a lot more time intensive to document anticoagulation monitoring. This led to a shift of this work to our embedded pharmacists in the primary care clinics. Typically our embedded pharmacists see patients with chronic disease states such as diabetes and help manage those with the provider. But now we're seeing a shift of anticoagulation monitoring. We're seeing an increase about 30% and also seeing referrals to the anticoagulation clinic. This issue was also compounded by the pandemic. We had offices closing and labs closing due to the shelter at home order. So we really needed to do something different during this time. So we came up with an immediate plan. We decided our focus was on safety, the safety of patients and employees during the shelter at home and closures. We made the decision to not close the anticoagulation clinic. So we thought as a group that it would be helpful and safer for patients to be seen in our clinic rather than going to a lab where patients were being tested for COVID-19 and also exposed to other patients in the waiting rooms, for example. We first started by scheduling patients farther out. It gave us time to plan and have the appropriate PPE in place. We looked at patients that were stable and we contacted them and scheduled them four to six weeks down the road. Again, this was initial pandemic, so we really did not have a great idea of how long this was going to occur and thought that well, we're really surprised right now we're still having to make changes for the pandemic even almost two years later. We also implemented the screening tools and PPE. The screening tools were really helpful to connect with patients. We were able to call them prior to coming into the clinic to explain to them the safety processes and procedures we had put in place and to address their concerns. We had patients that were really fearful about coming into clinics and leaving their house. We really decided to meet the patients where they're at. So we implemented some curbside monitoring. So if a patient was unable to or unwilling to come inside the building, we monitored their INR in their car. And then we also had access to a home nurse due to some of the changes with the pandemic. So again, Things changed with the pandemic. We had caregivers that are were now homeschooling and unable to take their loved ones to their clinic appointments and trying to keep them safe by separating them from their children. And so we had a home nurse available to go out to the home and check an INR if we didn't have any other option available. So this worked for a while. Our team implemented this immediate plan that was helpful. We were able to see patients and then We recognized we needed a different strategy, the pandemic continued, patients were not shifted back to providers in the way we thought after we had updated records and provided standard work for anticoagulation management, and we recognized we needed long-term planning for a model change. We could not sustain our current process. So this was our plan, our path to a model change, We saw the increase in pharmacist anticoagulation monitoring in physician office practices and we also saw this increased need for remote monitoring. This really was precipitated by the COVID-19 pandemic, so we had patients that were now monitoring their INR in their home and we also saw increased referrals to the anticoagulation clinic. We saw a lot of challenges with coverage. So again, our pharmacists that were embedded in the clinics were mostly seeing a chronic complex disease state such as diabetes. Now with the anticoagulation management, this was provided another challenge. So typically when a pharmacist would take time off, we would close the clinic because we found that it was better for continuity of patient care than to have someone cover. Well now we had patients that needed anticoagulation monitoring and although as best the pharmacists did to work around their time off, there was always patients that needed to be managed. This created a stress on our department because we have other pharmacists having to cover additional workload on top of their own and also as a manager, you know, trying to determine how best to care for these patients in a non backfilled position caused more stress on our department and on our leadership team. We identified it was time to look at a new model to more centralize anticoagulation services, but also determine who would be the best person to do this work or role to do this work. So looking at how did we rewrite the model, we first looked at how many patients would this impact? When we looked at our health system, approximately 200 patients were being managed in the physician practices by pharmacists. Again, this is a big increase, about 30% from pre-COVID and our previous EHR. We first looked at an analysis of the roles at the anticoagulation clinic. Who should perform what tasks? I started with conversations with our PGY2 and ambulatory care on our admin, administration rotation. We talked about what changes could we make, what opportunities were out there, and were able to do some research and come up with a new model. So two of the studies that were helpful to determine this change, one was from Hawkins and colleagues. They looked at the safety and effectiveness of pharmacy technician management of stable in-range INR results they compared the pharmacy technician versus the central pharmacist. So what they found was that the pharmacy technician management showed non-inferior time and therapeutic range, thromboembolism or bleeding event, and all-cause mortality. To note, though, if the pharmacy technician recognized that the patient had started a new medication or identified non-adherence to INR testing or to warfarin or an unexpected result was received, these all were referred to the Clinical pharmacist for Management. The other study we looked at was Orth and colleagues, and they looked at what tasks may be assigned to pharmacy technicians in pharmacist-managed anticoagulation clinic. They found that 53.4 tasks could be assigned to pharmacy technicians. They saw that some of these tasks would be medication reconciliation, transitions of care, in-range INR assessment, point-of-care testing, for example, and they estimated that a little over a thousand hours per year were spent by the pharmacist performing tasks appropriate for a pharmacy technician. And shifting these tasks could result in a cost avoidance of around $55,000. So this was really our way of starting to rethink that we could be doing something differently in our anticoagulation clinic. So after we had some ideas of how we would change this, we evaluated state rules and regulations to assure that pharmacy technicians were able to manage patients with in-range INRs. We were able to present this data and proposal to our senior leadership. This helped to create buy-in and support with this model change, and also for support of additional resources. And then we created a work group to help lead the change for this. Looking at this work group versus the pharmacy leadership role was in this model change are presented on this slide. We really worked in parallel. Part of our culture in our department is that we have every other week process improvement meetings. This was an extension of that and a specific group that worked just on rewriting our anticoagulation model. We had our lead technician and then several pharmacists that helped to ensure this work was being done. What the work group did was they looked at workflow from referral to visits. They created standard work for all the in-range INR assessments and how to document and communicate that to the team. They also helped with scripting. So when the technicians were helping with referrals from the embedded pharmacist to the anticoagulation clinic, helping to answer questions and allow for the patient to make a decision on how they best want to be managed. So they may want to do in-person visits, or they may want to stay with the remote INR. They also worked on the support for electronic health record. They created templates and smart phrases to help assure that documentation was standardized, and that it was really clear who was managing the patient and how to communicate to the rest of the team members in the anticoagulation clinic. They updated referral policies and procedures, and they helped with the delineation of responsibilities. So again, this can be tough for pharmacists to recognize that work that could be done by a pharmacy technician, and giving up that role and responsibility to them. They also presented to our department. So they were in charge of presenting the workflows getting feedback, adjusting this workflow, and then piloting. So we had, you know, a handful of patients that we're managing in the anticoagulation clinic that were doing home INR monitoring. And these were typically patients that were previous patients of ours and then transitioned because they were unable to get out to the clinic as often as they had before. So we had some patients already in the clinic, very few, but it allowed us some time to pilot. And then we worked with two of the practices that had the most remote INR work there and transferred them to the anticoagulation clinic to really work through the process from referral to visit and then refine the workflow. So again, we did not wait till this was 100% perfect to implement, but these pilots and tests really helped us to get, you know, 90% there and that the group really felt involved in the decision making and they could request or give feedback to change something and we did make a lot of changes while we were drafting this work. From a pharmacy leadership perspective, my role and the Clark Coordinator's role was really the facilitation of this work group. We needed to be the leaders of change and we also needed to be the support for adding resources. Again, there was approximately 200 patients that we needed to care for in the central anticoagulation clinic. So this was not something we could absorb. We see about a thousand patient visits a month in this clinic. Definitely this model change made a difference of who we requested to add for resources. So we ended up requesting a 0.8 FTE for pharmacy technician and a 0.5 for pharmacist. I think if we had not had this time to reflect or had the COVID-19 pandemic really pushed remote INR monitoring, we would have hired another FTE pharmacist time and not really even thought about doing anything different. We also helped with timeline and project management to assure that we were meeting targets and giving support to the team and the work group as they move forward. So looking at how the impact of this model change for in-range INRs, our hypothesis was that we would reduce the number of patient contacts. So for current state, the number of contacts were one to three. Sometimes the pharmacist would get these results and could take care of it right away, but most times the technician was sending them on to the pharmacist and then the pharmacist was calling the patient, so at least two contacts. So for future state, our hypothesis was that the technician would receive these results, the technician would ask the standard questions from the template and that they would instruct the patient to continue the current dose and then schedule the patient in the future then the technician would send the encounter for co-sign for the pharmacist. So really, future state, we were hoping to have more like one contact for the patient. So as we were piloting this work, we pulled some data to see if our hypothesis was making sense or not. So looking at the overall results, and these are for patients that have remote INR work. So again, we see a difference with the current state and the new model because prior to this model, we were doing a lot of home nurse and not so much home INR from self-managed INRs that were being taken by the patient. And the new model, we're seeing more of the remote INR management. So looking at the current state versus the new model, we see that the number of contacts did decrease, the time to completion decreased as well, and time on the phone. In our current state, no patients were being managed by our technician, and then with the new model almost 60% of patients were able to be managed by technicians because they had an in-range INR and did not have any additional new meds or any issues with the uh, screening questions. They were all no changes for the patient and those. So almost 60% of that work was being done by technicians. So looking at the home INR specifically for the self-check INR, so we see that the number of contacts were decreased still as we looked at patients with self-check home INR. Time to completion was about the same. The way to collect this in an electronic health record is extremely challenging. Since we looked at this data, we have changed the way the technician is documenting in order to help better piece this out to see how are we improving efficiency in the clinic. We also saw a decrease of time on the phone because it's being driven by the number of contacts. We're seeing less contacts for the patient. So impact and next steps, we learned that immediate and long-term changes resulted in uninterrupted in-person services. There were a lot of other anticoagulation clinics that switched patients to telephone and switched them to direct oral anticoagulants That is something that we also did, but it wasn't a focused effort. We have a DOAC monitoring service in our anticoagulation clinic currently, but we thought it was important to continue the in-person services for those patients. We saw referral increases. So as the EHR implementation and as clinics closed, we saw that we were being a source of referrals to help make sure patients were being managed on those high-risk medications. And it also resulted in a change in our anticoagulation practice model. Honestly, I think there was a need in the community for anticoagulation clinic to start managing patients that were having their self-monitored INR at home and also that were going to the lab. It was a need that we weren't addressing and the HR change in the COVID-19 pandemic really put this need into a bright light for us and allowed for us to explore a different model. So next steps for this practice model changes, assuring quality. One of the things that the pharmacists were most concerned about was the technician management. And I would hear the pharmacist say, well, you know, I might have a plan. And then once the patient starts talking, I think of a different plan that I need to implement because of things that they're saying. So we have been looking week to week on out of range INR, Supra, and subtherapeutic. And also knowing that these patients are checking weekly. So that makes a big difference in the in-range technician management as well. And so far we have seen that there has been no change in quality with our new practice model change. We also are working on the annual competency, so this might seem out of order, but maybe have a annual competency before you implement a practice model, and I understand that. That makes sense. I think we needed to work through the process to understand what was important to include in the competency. We had our lead technician working with a couple of pharmacists very closely during these pilot phases but this is our next step is to have a standardized competency to assure that we have our other technicians that are able to perform this task. And then lastly, patient and provider satisfaction. So looking at assuring that patients are satisfied and providers are satisfied with the service, I think some of the concerns from our pharmacy team is that you know if we're going to a model that's similar to a provider base model, there's some concerns about being able to address INRs in a timely fashion, assuring people are not falling through the cracks so they're not missing INR monitoring like we, we did see in some of our, our work when we were doing that data abstraction. So Those are our next steps to look at satisfaction and hopefully assuring patients are followed in an evidence-based way. So looking at lessons learned. The first is to be open to rethinking practice models. I think for with our experience utilizing learners that have a fresh perspective was really helpful. So having the PGY-2 do some research and asking questions on could we be doing this differently It really helped to start with the question who should be performing what role in this clinic or what task so starting with that question allowed us to unlock from previous thinking in order to determine how best we could serve patients in a different way while also providing the same quality of service next determine your focus and build upon it so again our focus was patient safety and colleague or employee safety. I think we would have come to a different model if we had a different focus on growth or operational efficiency. So I think the decisions that we were made were made with that filter of safety and allowed us to take incremental steps to this model to assure the quality and the safety of patients by identifying challenges and tailoring actions to specific patient care needs. This clinic had always done an excellent job meeting the patient where they were at, but it was taken to another level during this pandemic. Also, when considering change, incorporate your team members to help with identifying and the development of practice care model. So again, having frontline team members work on the workflows and the testing of this really helped with change management and getting buy-in from others. And also they had now experts that they could go to to help when they are working through this new practice change. And lastly, to practice rethinking patient care on a regular basis. I'm sure that all of you have anticoagulation clinics that provide excellent care and ours did as well. Looking at the data, we had a great time and therapeutic range. But again, seeing that we could do something different is important to do on a daily basis. you so much for joining us for this special edition podcast on COVID-19. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official or wherever you listen to your podcast and check out our COVID-19 Resource Center at ashp.org backslash COVID-19 for the most updated developments on COVID-19. Take care and thank you for all that you do.